0: Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle, Mr. Rob O'Hara, Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Space Taxi. I want to give a shout out to Michael D'Angelo. Michael requested this game about five years ago. So it has been a really long time that I have been sitting on this game. Uh, I do have a list of of games that I plan to get to someday on Sprite Castle. Some of them take longer than others. Uh, So, Michael, sorry for the long delay, but I did finally get to the game. Uh, Do you know what other games are referenced on the secret level in Space Taxi? Did you know Space Taxi has a secret level? You will find out about all these things later in this episode. But before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines welcome back to another episode of you don't know flack in case you have been frantically hitting f5 on your podcatcher looking for the new episode this episode is a little late this month i do have a good excuse if you Follow my blog at Rob or follow me on social media or Twitter. You may have seen that my daughter was involved in a auto accident earlier this week. Now, she is fine, uh, is going to be fine, but she did have to have surgery to repair a broken collarbone. Uh, the bad news is that uh, if you are going fast enough and hit a concrete barrier, at a high enough rate of speed, it will break your collarbone. The seatbelt will break your collarbone, which is unfortunately for her what happened. So that is the bad news. The good news is it prevented her from shooting straight out the windshield. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am one of those unpopular people that doesn't normally wear my seatbelt. And I, this has changed my opinion. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I had the, the thought that I would be able to, um, it's just accidents happen and they happen quickly, I guess is the best way to say it. And so, and sometimes they're not your fault. Sometimes they are your fault and it's just an accident, which is uh, what happened in this case. uh boy, 16 year old drivers. And, uh, so I don't know why, where I got this false sense of, uh, being in control of a vehicle and I have fallen out of the habit of wearing my seatbelt but I think this has uh rekindled that for me. Uh so if uh if nothing else good comes out of it for me personally maybe that will be it. Um but uh yep, so we have been Dealing with insurance, I'm sure this is just scratching the surface. But we've been dealing with insurance. Uh, We have a a totaled uh, ten-year-old Honda, if anybody's interested, and uh, uh, you know a kid that uh, with a broken collarbone, and she had to have surgery. They were not able to it was the bones were far enough apart that they were not able to uh, we it was explained to us that if the bones are close enough together that they can sometimes get them to reattach and grow back together and heal uh, with the use of a sling, but that was not going to be the case in uh in this in instance, and so they Had to do surgery and use a titanium plate with multiple screws to reattach the bones. And so the doctor said the good news is that her collarbone is way stronger than it ever would have been uh, with just uh, with actual bones. Now it has a big titanium plate that will surely set off every airport metal detector uh, or on every cruise ship from now on. So that'll be fun. Uh, But she is doing better. She's obviously sore. And, um, but she is on the mend. So thanks to everybody on social media and through email and Patreon who reached out and left messages of encouragement. Uh, we read every single one of them to her and it really lifted her spirits. So, but that has definitely, uh, <laughs> Tied up the majority of our week this week. And so I am a little bit behind and next week we're going on spring break. So I am on the crunch this weekend to get an episode of Sprite Castle out. And so here we are. Uh, I got some feedback about the last episode of Sprite Castle, which was the pawn. And a lot of people said that they played the pawn. Some people enjoyed it more than others. A lot of people, said that I uh, buried the game, which was not really my intention. And a lot of people questioned why I talked about it uh, so negatively when it got such high ratings. And so uh, maybe I didn't explain well enough in that episode, but I think that the pawn originally in the media got high ratings because the people behind the game told the media that this was a groundbreaking game that deserved high ratings they uh one of the things that they had done with the interpreter remember the pawn was this was that text adventure game and they had uh, explained to people that this uh, parser, the part that basically interprets the commands that you type into the game and and tells the game what you want to do, was so advanced, and they had used these examples to people where you it was almost like tongue twisters. There's a a pot plant in a pot, and there's a command where you could say take the pot plant from the potted plant. And, you know, so, so when you show that to somebody, it's really impressive, but in the actual game, if you don't get the syntax of that exactly right, it gets very confused very quickly. And so I think a lot of people were amazed by the graphics, uh, and rightfully so, as I mentioned, the game has great graphics. Unfortunately, it's a text adventure and you know, when you see that parser, being demonstrated, it does seem pretty advanced. But the bigger problem with The Pawn is that it's not really – it it was advertised as interactive fiction, but it's not really the way that we describe interactive fiction. It's not a work of fiction. It's not a cohesive story. It is literally a game where you are running around – trying to find things over and over being sent on different missions and, and finding objects and moving them, taking something from one person, delivering it, uh, to another person. And so I got feedback from Bill Spear, one of my listeners who said that in the trivia teaser at the beginning of the show, I said that I would explain where the pawn got its name from because there is nothing in the game that has to do with chess or pawns or anything like that. And I, I neglected to mention that in the episode. And so uh, the reason that the game was called The Pawn is because one of the beta testers said, you feel like a pawn in this game just being moved around constantly by other people. And so that, again, kind of describes what the gameplay is like on The Pawn. It's just moving back and forth and, and, and going. So uh, you know what? There's There's no game that... I would never say don't try, especially in this day and age where emulators are free. Every Commodore 64 game ever made, uh, essentially is free. Um, I, the, uh, caveat I would put on that is, uh, new games that are being released. And I have always said, and I will continue to say that I do support these new releases. Um, but you know, these games that are 20, 30 years old, uh, they're free to go download and try. So, uh, you know, don't, necessarily take my word for it, especially if you enjoy that type of game, you should always try the games out. Now let's move on to this episode's Kings of the Castle. Well, the first two people to respond were the Slow Norris and Rick Reynolds. And I'd like to have you two step right up here. And before I pull this little lever, you should know that if you don't tell me what the connection to the game is or you tell me the wrong connection, this happens. Ah! Don't worry, folks. It looks like the alligators down in the pit broke their fall. Uh, So sorry to you guys, but congratulations to everyone else who sent in the proper connection for the pawn. Uh, The song... That was played was Michael Jackson's black or white. And the obvious connection is that a chessboard is made up of black and white squares. And obviously each side uh, of the chessboard has pieces that could be black or white, including the pawn, which was also the name of the last episode's game. So congratulations to Steve Sharippa, Joe Sharippa. Dodd Zoss. Hope you got your name uh, right. I hope I got your name right. I'm sure you got your name right. Uh, Bill Spear, Retro Gaming Bygones, Cantankerous, Mitsuyama, Matthew Perron, Daniel Jalepa. Daniel, you're going to have to tell me how to say your name. Jalepa. I think it's Gileppa. Uh Tad M. Zorglub, Edward Smith, Olav Hope, and Gabe DeGennaro. Uh Also... We let one extra person in, and that is Pajaco 6502. Now, Pajaco did not send the correct connection between the song Black or White uh, and the game The Pawn, but in the game, there are spells that you can mix things to uh, make different types of potions, and one of the potions that you have to make Uh, is, uh, white. And so he said black or white because in the game you have to achieve this. And it was, uh, such a good answer that I will allow it. So Pajaco, I see you teetering on the edge over there next to the crocodile pit. But uh, I think I said alligators before. There are alligators and crocodiles in the pit. I should clarify that. So uh, congratulations to all you guys who got to go back to the VIP room. Uh, we had a chess tournament set up. We had beer set up. And everybody had a good time. It was kind of a low key. We needed a low key after uh, Ozzy Osbourne and the uh, the Wizard of War tore up the place, so it was a little bit of a low-key celebration, but I think everybody had a good time, so congratulations again to all of this episode's kings of the castle. Let's move into the Commodore 64 news. Uh, Now that I am alternating through four different shows each month, that gives me a month in between each episode of Sprite Castle, and boy, do the releases and news pile up, so I'm not going to be able to mention everything, but I'm kind of picking and choosing from the highlights. And the first highlight is uh, that there is a new podcast in the land, the Commodore 64 show. This is a new podcast by Mike Dalka. He has one episode available so far, and this is right on the heels of the Commodore Chronicles, which is uh, another Commodore podcast, which just released episode number three Uh, That is recorded by a friend of the show, Retro Gaming Bygones. So uh, I love that there are other Commodore 64 podcasts out there. Um, It's very boring to listen to your own podcasts. And I love hearing about Commodore 64s and uh, all the information, game reviews and uh, Mike Mike's uh, new podcast the Commodore 64 show he has a lot of technical information about power supplies and and all sorts of things like that um he has an interview with a fellow that uh is a Commodore 64 seller of things on eBay so Uh, Lots of good Commodore stuff out there, so be sure to check those out. The new episode of Commodore Chronicles, uh, that's episode three, has reviews of Sam's Journey and The Amazing Spider-Man. Those are two fun games as well. So, uh, good stuff to listen to. Be sure to check those out. There is a new release of Zeta Wing being released. Zeta Wing is the uh, vertical shoot-em-up game from Sarah Jane Avery that was released uh, last year. This is a new physical uh, version. There was a digital only release that was released in September, all the way back in September of 2020. And this is a new physical Deluxe edition being released by Bitmap Soft. Uh, they are taking pre orders right now for a physical cartridge edition. So, this will have everything that the digital version had. Plus, it has a secret built in game as well. There's a second hidden game that can be unlocked according to uh, Retro Gaming News they said that this new game can be unlocked by deciphering clues that are included within the game's manual. So that sounds pretty cool. If you liked uh, the regular version of Zeta Wing and you are a collector, then you'll probably want to pick up This collector's deluxe edition of Zeta Wing being released by Bitmap Soft. Sarah Jane Avery also recently on YouTube posted video of Zeta Wing 2. There's some new gameplay footage out there, which looks as good, if not better, than the original. So looking forward to checking that out. Uh, Speaking of YouTube videos, I did see footage of Slam Siblings. This is a demo of a game that is being worked on. It has not been released yet, and this is a Commodore 64 homage to Super Smash Brothers. The demo footage, which is on YouTube, only has two players and does not have sound yet, but it looks like a lot of fun, so I don't know how many players the final version is expected to support, but uh, with uh, USB controllers and things like that. You can get more than two players, which we were usually limited to back in the day. So uh, keep an eye out for developments on Slam Siblings. Speaking of upcoming games, Icon 64 announced that they have been contacted by the right owners of the Impossible Mission series, and they are starting work on Impossible Mission 3. Now, Impossible Mission, the original game, uh, is one of... Probably the best known games for the Commodore 64. Uh, everybody knows the sound sample, Another Visitor. Uh, everybody has played that game. Not everybody has beat it because the puzzle portion of the game is so difficult and it was even more difficult if you were a young teenager and and had downloaded the game and didn't have the instructions <laughs> that made it uh, even more difficult uh, and then there was impossible mission 2 which had upgraded graphics and really just added uh you know everything that the original had and more so Uh, It looks like in Impossible Mission 3 there may be weapons, there may be some other additional features added to the game, but overall the gameplay from what I've seen so far looks like it will be very similar to the first two games. So that will definitely be a huge release on the Commodore 64 when that finally comes out. If you are on social media at all, then no doubt you have seen everyone's Wordle scores. This is the game that has taken over social media. People love posting and sharing their scores on Wordle. And Wordle has made its way to the Commodore 64. There are several versions of Wordle. One is called Words W-O-R-D-Z, which you can find for download, which is a fairly straightforward port of Wordle. There's also turtle, and that sounds like the animal, turtle, and in fact, the mascot of the game is a turtle, but the game is turtle as in a turd, T-U-R-D-L-E, and unsurprisingly, most of the words have to do with turds. (laughs) So that's fun. If you are a fan of Wordle, uh, go out to, uh, these are both uh, free downloads on itch.io. You can probably find them on the Commodore Scene Database as well. Uh, But if you want to play 8-bit versions of Wordle, then you've got Words and Turtle. And there are other ones, I believe, that have been released as well. Speaking of fun small games, T Rex 64 was released. Uh, T Rex is a game that was hidden in the Chrome browser. Apparently, there's a a secret link to it if you go to a, if you're offline and you open. Chrome, then uh Google Chrome, then you can find a link to T-Rex. It is a uh a side scrolling running game where you run, jump, there are multiple levels, there are three different worlds, and that has been ported to the Commodore 64 and released as T-Rex sixty four. Uh I played it, it's fun. Uh, definitely will give your reflexes a workout uh, as far as jumping and ducking and and run, 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 just like t Rexes did. So uh, if you're looking for a quick, fun little romp, then T-Rex 64 might be the game for you. I also played Bugs Incorporated. Bugs Incorporated or Bugs Inc. is a new game in which you have to exterminate worms and spiders and protect flowers. Uh, It is pretty fun. Uh, gosh, what are all the other releases here? I'm looking for the highlights that I've uh, actually played. ArlaSoft. ArlaSoft, uh, which is the um, game porting machine, ported and released a version of Berserk. Now, Berserk, uh, this version is PAL only. Of course, if you're playing on emulators or if you're playing on almost anything but original NTSC hardware, you're probably okay. In fact, I believe the... Uh, even the C64 mini and maxi could play pal games and, uh, the, uh, BMC 64 plays pal games. I'm trying to think of all the other things. Uh, Of course, all the emulators and stuff play pal. So unless you're trying to play directly on NTSC hardware, that would be just about the only, uh, limiting factor for you. Um, there was a release of berserk several years ago, uh, like four or five years ago that was really, really good. And this version is good. I don't think it's as good as that original release of Berserk, which was, um, in the late, I don't know, 2018, 2017, somewhere around there. Uh, and it was, it was fantastic. And this one is good. So, uh, I don't know why someone would port a game that had already been ported to the C64 and done almost perfectly. Um, but you know, it, it, it's definitely worth a spin. Berserk's always a good game. Uh, there is some digitized speech, but it's not, the speech is not as good as the uh, other port. So I don't want to dog the game uh, because, uh, you know, free software, every free game is great. But uh, if, uh, if you have a limited amount of time, the other version of Berserk is, is pretty good. So, uh, but I definitely want to, don't want to uh, dump on Arlisoft because uh, if you blink, <laughs> you'll miss his next release. Uh, there, That was just the first of multiple arcade ports that I saw this month. One was Tutankham, which is a port of the arcade game from, I believe, 1982? 83? I'm going to guess 82. Um, Tutankham is a... Uh, gosh, it's not really a... a Platform game. I guess it's a maze game. Uh, I remember you could shoot only left and right. Uh, it's a fast action game. I used to always get it mixed up in my head with Solomon's Key, um, but Tutankham was a really fun a uh, fast arcade game and I play the C64 port that has been released absolutely fantastic. So if you were a fan of that old arcade game, you'll definitely want to pick up Tutankham. Uh there's also a new Bagman game, Bagman Strikes Back. Now this is the third, I believe in the series of Bagman games. There's an original Bagman. I think there's Bagman Comes Back, maybe? So Bagman Strikes Back is the third. Uh, The Bagman games are fun little platform games. They're very cute. Um, Definitely worth a spin, especially if you like the original. And even if you didn't, you should uh, download this and check it out. Fun game for sure. Uh, I saw, I have not played this, I saw a demo of this, the Street Fighter II Championship Edition. Now, I had seen a video earlier that did not look very good. This demo looked better. Uh, It's always a challenge to take a game that has, um, (laughs) I mean, just getting an eight-way joystick, you know, those controls are good. But if you look at a fighting game like Mortal Kombat or uh, Street Fighter that had multiple buttons, even uh, Karate Champ, we talked about that, uh, and getting that to work on the Commodore 64 is going to be a challenge, but, uh, from the video I saw, it looks like the controls are coming along well. So I'll be interested to see how that final port plays out. Again, that's a street fighter two championship edition. That is uh, one of the actual arcade games, street fighter two championship edition that I owned when I had arcade games in my home. And so a quick plug for one of my other shows, Cactus Flax. If you're not subscribed to my master feed, you could go over to podcast.rabohara.com or go to iTunes and find Cactus Flax. That is my show where I am doing reviews of every arcade game that I have ever owned. And so Street Fighter 2 Championship edition. Now that I say it, I think I've already covered that. I think that may have been one I already recorded. So if you're a Street Fighter fan and a street fighting man, then go check that out. Uh, I checked out Spider Climber, which is a Spider Man game, which is similar to Crazy Climber. Uh, it's that is super fun. I like, you know, I really liked the old uh, Spider Man game on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, where you swung back and forth and climbed buildings. That was uh, not really the controls were not like Crazy Climber, but the idea of of getting to the top of a building and avoiding things in windows and things falling down were similar. Um, so uh, Spider Climber is a new Commodore 64 game that has been released. Uh, and finally, I think the last game on my list was Orbital Rescue. Uh, I saw this on Indie Retro News. Uh, it is a... I'm quoting indie, retner, uh, indie Retro News here. It says that it was an homage to the 1982 classic of Jupiter Lander, but is also a mashup of Choplifter and Fort Apocalypse. So um, if you like those types of games that involve physics and and trying to control your landing and stuff, which we will be talking about shortly on this episode's game, then go grab a copy of Orbital Rescue. Uh, last couple things to mention. Uh, the first was that uh Kevin Vance has released on GitHub a uh plans for this device that he has built in which he attached a Raspberry Pico to a Commodore sixty four cartridge PCB and is reading cartridge information from the pico apparently he had to use some uh, uh drop the voltage because the pico is looking for 3.3 volts and the commodore cartridge port puts out 5 volts uh, i believe um you can buy the strip down the lowest version of a pico uh, raspberry pico board for about $4 so i don't know how much these would actually cost to manufacture, and I don't know what the end game is here. I don't know if this could be used as some sort of flash cart for the Commodore 64. Right now, in the demo, he just has it displaying a Raspberry Pi logo on the Commodore 64, but this is an interesting project that could be used uh, for maybe for C64 flash carts or or other things. I'm not really sure. There are flash carts. Again, I talked about the um, uh, Kung Fu... Cartridge. Uh, there are some other cartridges like that, the, um, easy flash and so on and so forth. So maybe it will drop the price of those. I don't really know uh, how this can be used, but it's definitely interesting. So you can, if you search for Kevin Vance and raspberry Pico, you will definitely find news new story to his GitHub page. Uh, finally, I wanted to mention two new videos from the friend of the show, Robin Harbron, Uh, His channel on YouTube is 8-Bit Show & Tell, and he has two new Commodore 64 videos. Uh, One is about chroma disks, which is something that I was completely unfamiliar with, and more or less, it it was a a company who was doing four-color printing directly on the black portion of a floppy disk. So instead of putting a label onto a disc, you know, like printing on a label and affixing the label. Uh, You could print directly on a floppy disk, and he shows several examples of these, and uh, it's very fascinating. Uh, You know, one of the greatest things about this hobby is there's, there's something to learn every day, and so I was not familiar with chroma discs at all, this technology, so that was interesting. And his most recent video was also really interesting. It was about Commodore 64 copy protection. And the example he shows is a program that was written in BASIC that had copy protection built in. And so being in BASIC, you don't have to understand assembly or anything like that. You could follow along. He shows you the mechanism where it is checking for bad uh, information on the floppy and looking for error codes. And if it detects it, it pops up this little thing that says illegal copy detected, something like that. Uh, But it was really fascinating to watch. And I I really got a kick out of some people's comments who were saying things like, why don't you just get a crack copy of it? Which I mean, they completely missed the point of the video, which was showing how it worked. Um, I mean, it would be like, uh, what's a good example. It would be like, Uh, watching a video explaining how the Mona Lisa was painted and then responding and saying, who cares? You can just take a picture with your phone. (laughs) It's like, you've completely missed, uh, the idea. Um, I love, I know, um, I think, uh, uh, Pete, uh, Rittage, God, I don't want to mess up his name, but, um. Uh, there's the uh, 1541 preservation society and there's several different websites that have documented Commodore 64 copy protection. I find it so interesting. And so I thought it was a really neat video that Robin shared. Uh, again, Robin's videos are all on eight bit show and tell. Uh, he is definitely an asset to the Commodore 64 community. So if you like Commodore 64 videos, go find that channel on YouTube. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at Robo'Hara dot com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me here on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord, or leave a message on the podcast hotline, which is four oh five-486-YDKF. If you'd like to support my shows, visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All of my patrons get access to behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit my page. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. And those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy who just crashed headfirst into a taxi. Crazy driver. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. When I was a kid, hot dogs were considered to be kids' food. My mom would make hot dogs. She would boil hot dogs on the stove, and we would have hot dogs. You would put the wiener in the bun and put ketchup, and then that was a hot dog. Uh, I mean, I think when I got a little older, I graduated to ketchup and mustard or possibly just mustard, but that was basically how we ate hot dogs as kids. Now I have mentioned that my dad and my dad's family are all from Chicago. And so I learned at a fairly young age, what a Chicago dog was. Now a Chicago hot dog is a very specific hot dog, uh, a hot dog. First of all, it has to be, a uh, beef hot dog. It should be a Vienna beef hot dog. Uh, It goes in a bun, which is a sesame seed bun. It has to have the uh, sesame seeds uh, on the outside of the bun. Uh, Then I found a recipe online that says here are the toppings for a Chicago dog and they must be placed in this order. (laughs) Yellow mustard, sweet green pickle relish, chopped onions, tomato wedges, pickle spear, sport peppers and celery salt. Then it says the tomato should be nestled between the hot dog and the top of the bun. Place the pickle between the hot dog and the bottom of the bun. (laughs) So it's a very specific thing. Uh, When you go to Chicago, if you order Chicago dogs, I don't feel like you should change that recipe. (laughs) Like you shouldn't say, I want a Chicago dog without tomatoes. I feel like it's disrespectful. You should say, I want a Chicago dog. And then when you get it, you pick the tomatoes off. That's what I do. Uh, So I know every time I'm getting a Chicago dog, I'm going to have to pick the tomatoes off. So anyway, Chicago dogs are not (laughs) this episode snack. What I want to talk about is uh, New York dogs. Now I have only been to New York city one time. Uh, It was in the, it was around 2010, I think is when it was. Uh, I went there for work. I had a week long trip in New York and I'm sure that I knew some people around that area. So casual, you know, friends or whatever. But one person who I had connected with online was Grandmaster Rat and Grandmaster Rat was one of the original founders and the de facto leader of the cult of the dead cow. If you don't know who cult of the dead cow is, uh, go to Google <laughs> and be prepared to be amazed. Uh, cult of the dead cow was, uh, considered to be one of the original hacking zine groups. Uh, they released text files, about all sorts of crazy things, Uh, and it was, uh, you know, if you grew up on BBSs, you would download these text files and read them, and you would find out about all these different characters doing all these crazy things. Uh, It was such a a good, fun time, and I'm so lucky to have crossed paths with Grandmaster Rat, who lived in, I believe, the Bronx, (laughs) (laughs) and when I told him I was coming to New York city, he said, clear your nights. I will be your personal guide to New York city. I will take you all over New York city. And so, uh, grandmaster rat, uh, and his, uh, lady friend and myself covered the entire island (laughs) of New York city. Uh, we took the ferry that went by the Statue of Liberty. We walked up and down Broadway. We went to Wall Street. Uh, this was over a series of two or three nights. Like, well, I would get off work, uh, would, would grab something to eat or not, and then meet up with him. And we walked through Central Park. We went to the Apple store. Uh, we went to Chinatown. I was staying near Chinatown. And this is also, Not related to the food. This is too long of a story. (laughs) I apologize. Um, But we walked one block into Chinatown uh, because we were going to the, I believe it's called the Chinatown Fair Arcade. It's a famous arcade uh, in Chinatown in New York City. We went to go see that. And I said, you know, this, I know we're in Chinatown, but it doesn't really feel authentic. And then we went another block and walked around a corner. And there was a guy standing there with a wheelbarrow and in the wheelbarrow was ice. And on top of the ice was a octopus. (laughs) I'll never forget that. And I said, we've gone too far. We have to go back. And so we backtracked. And so I had an absolute great time while I was in New York city. And one night while we were out, um, We stopped and got – did I mention we went to Toys R Us? We went to Toys R Us in Times Square and took dumb pictures. It was so much fun. Uh, (laughs) While we were walking around New York City, I got, for the first time, a New York-style hot dog. Now, New York-style hot dog is completely different than a Chicago dog. Uh, It is a beef dog. It has onion relish. It has sauerkraut, and then it has brown mustard, all put into a soft bun. Uh, so as we were walking around, I got this from a street vendor. I got an a, um, an authentic New York dog. And uh, as we were getting ready to leave, we hailed a taxi. We had walked so far from where my hotel was that we didn't want to walk all the way back. Plus, it was like 2 in the morning. And so we, uh, he hailed a taxi and uh, as we were getting in, the guy said, you can't bring that dog in here. (laughs) You can't bring a hot dog in a taxi, which I didn't know. I only know about taxis from TV. We don't, I've never been in a taxi in Oklahoma. So, uh, I had to just wolf down this hot dog before we got in. So anyway, there is a place not far from my house that sells both Chicago style and New York style hot dogs. And so, uh, I just remembered that story and how it tied to a taxi. It was a fun memory. And so that's what I had while I was working on this episode over the weekend was I grabbed, uh, a New York style hot dog and that went along with the show, uh, before I move on too far, I did want to mention one short thing I had talked on previous shows And on some of my streams about how I had gone and had some blood work done and that I had changed a little bit about what I was doing for Talking Snack because uh, my A1C basically went from the green level, skipped the yellow level, and went right into the red level. It didn't say this is uh, something you should watch. It said basically the email I got said, you are diabetic. (laughs) Congratulations, you have earned Type 2 diabetes. And so I had my follow up, my three month follow up uh, blood work done last week. I got all my results, and the numbers are lower than they were uh, a couple of years ago. They are all the way back in the green. So again, it turns out that a box of Girl Scout cookies is not the appropriate serving size. Uh, So Thank you again to everybody who, uh, sent me, uh, positive messages and messages of encouragement. Uh, definitely have had to earn, uh, learn a lot about, uh, counting carbs and uh, paying attention to things like that. But I was able to make a, uh, a minor exception, a minor detour and grab that New York style hot dog. Again, uh, because it tied into that whole story about me wolfing one down with Grandmaster Rat as the two of us were trying to leap into a yellow checkered taxi in New York City. Speaking of taxis, Space Taxi was published for the Commodore 64 in 1984 by Muse Software. It is a game for one to four players that uses joystick controls. Muse Software, Muse stood for Micro User Software Exchange is where the name Muse came from. They were founded by Ed Zarin in Maryland in 1978. They specialized in publishing software for the Apple II. Their most famous games would probably be the original Castle Wolfenstein and Beyond Castle Wolfenstein. Uh, they published about 20 computer games and eventually went bankrupt in 1987. Uh, they did sell the rights or license the rights. I don't know if they licensed or sold. They probably sold the rights uh, to Castle Wolfenstein to um, id Software, but, and which is uh, released a little game called Wolfenstein 3D that you may have heard of. Uh, their other uh, big games were Rescue Squad, which was written by the same person who wrote this game, Caverns of Free Tag, Robot War, and Firebug. Uh, none of those were as big as Castle Wolfenstein or Beyond Castle Wolfenstein. This game was programmed by a young man named John Kutcher. Uh, He wrote it while he was a freshman at Hopkins University. He wanted to make the game use realistic style physics. And he said he was inspired to write this game after playing Lunar Lander. So he wanted to have those type of physics in regards to uh, the, the taxi moving and landing and taking off. He he was inspired by Lunar Lander to build those into this game. Uh, he, once he had programmed the game, he picked Muse randomly out of a phone book and cold called them <laughs> to see if they would publish his game. And they said, uh, they don't publish games. And he said, okay. And then they said, well, 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 we don't, we haven't published any games yet, <laughs> but we might be interested in publishing your game. Now he had just written uh rescue squad. And so he went, uh, to their office and showed them rescue squad and left. And by the time he got home, they had called and left a message to offer him a contract. And so that was how John Kutcher connected with Muse Software. When he wrote Space Taxi, that's who published the game. In Space Taxi, you are the driver of a space taxi. The goal is to pick up passengers from different numbered landing pads and deliver them to other pads. Uh, it is an original game. It is not a port of an arcade game. And the only official version of space taxi appears only on the Commodore 64. The front of the box has a large picture of a taxi flying directly towards you. As you're looking at the box, there is jets, uh, or some sort of fire coming from the rear. I guess those are probably the jet engines behind the taxi. It, of the part of the taxi we could see, it looks like a classic yellow taxi with the checkered pattern appearing on it. There's a passenger in the taxi who's wearing a tie and he is holding on like he is riding inside a roller coaster <laughs> with a frantic look on his face. Uh, and then we have the, ta- the uh, text that says Space Taxi by Muse Software. On the back of the box, of course, we get some screenshots, but we also get some text that explains the game to us. It says, you used to be the hottest pilot in the galactic fleet, but now you make your living zipping through the crazy intricacies of a 23rd century city. You're learning that one short hop in this job can pack more challenge into your piloting skills than all the missions you flew with the fleet put together. And the money can be good, too, especially if your passengers think you're fast and smooth and deserve a tip. The features. Space Taxi presents exciting full-color graphics, sound effects you can believe, music that celebrates your success, and passengers with voices that actually talk to you. Plus, controls so precise, your skill with the joystick will be sharpened to a finer edge than you ever thought possible. All on an amazing array of 24 screens. And then it says, the surprise. Get good enough and you'll fly through an additional mystery screen that combines the best of arcade action and fantasy adventure. Here's your license. Your passenger is waiting and then it says muse software and then right below that it says muse software again <laughs> with their uh post office box it's such an interesting time uh you know now of course every single company uh would include their website or possibly a contact you know an email contact or i guess maybe a phone number that goes to a voicemail or something i don't know but uh, back in the day they would just give you their phone number and their and their po box Uh, Some of them just put their address. I guess you could just show up if you had questions about the game. Uh, To start the game off, after we load the game and type run, you're presented with a loading screen. Now, this loading screen is not very advanced. It is drawn in Petski, which is the Commodore graphics Uh, that you could see on the keyboard it is a side view of the taxi Uh, the taxi looks almost like a sports car like the the driver's seat and the passenger seat almost like a hatchback are towards the rear of the car there's a long hood that has a blower uh, on the top and this is the first time that we see Uh, landing gears instead of tires because uh, on the the front of the box of the artwork, we can't really see underneath the taxi. So this is the first time that we see that the taxi, instead of wheels, has landing gears. Now, it does have wheel wells, and it almost makes it look like this was a regular drivable taxi that somehow survived 400 years to the 23rd century, and then the wheels were replaced with landing gears for some reason, unless the wheel wells serve some purpose that uh, (laughs) I'm not aware of. Uh, And then we have text across the bottom that says space taxi loading. Uh, When the game finishes loading, we get a menu screen. The top part says space taxi and large uh, animated individual characters. Uh, We have John F. Kutcher listed copyright 1984, all rights reserved. We have some commands that say joystick up for high scores, down for instructions or fire button to begin. So this is where you could go to another screen to view the high scores, or you could get the backstory. It's mostly the same information that is included on the back of the box. Uh, there's also, we can see the actual taxi as it appears in the game. It is on the left hand of this, the screen, the left hand side, and on the right hand side is the passenger uh, press the fire button to begin and we get another short screen. This one says how many players or cabbies one through four. I so hoped that it would be four people, which is, wouldn't really be possible. But even if there were two players that you would be playing simultaneously, but that's not the case. Uh, you take turns playing the game, but how much fun would this game be if it was two people competing for the same passengers that, that would have really been great. Uh, next you pick your shift. There are five to choose from. There is morning day night. Uh, and then there is standard and random. Now, as the back of the box said, there are 24 levels in this game. So morning consists of the first eight levels, Day consists of the middle eight levels, like nine through 16, and night is the last eight levels. If you select standard, it will play all the levels, one through 24, and random, obviously randomly selects levels from any of the 24 levels. Once the game begins, it will tell you the name of the level. It will show that. Their stars will be flying by in a very cheap version of the Millennium Falcon uh, hyperspace <laughs> type effect with the stars coming towards you. And the taxi floats towards the center. Once it reaches the center, it is done loading and you will begin the game. Each level consists of platforms and obstacles. The platforms will be numbered. The first level only has one platform, which makes it pretty easy. Uh, And then more, the further you go and more levels, there will be more and more platforms. Um, You'll also see... The taxi and the taxi will begin somewhere on the level floating in space. And the minute the level starts, the taxi will begin to fall down or be pulled down towards the ground uh, based on gravity. So you will immediately need to take over control of the taxi. Now, passengers will begin to appear on the platforms. There's always only one passenger uh, that will appear. So a passenger will appear, and on the first level, there's only one platform, so he will appear on the first platform, and then he will speak to you. He will say, hey, taxi, (laughs) and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, very shortly, but he says, hey, taxi, and you have to go to the platform he's on, land successfully, pick up that passenger and take him to where he wants to go. So in later levels, he will tell you which of the other pads uh, that are available where he needs to be delivered, or he may say up. And if he says up, then a, Uh, door will open at the top of the level and you will go through that door and that takes you to the next level. So, uh, the first level only has one passenger. You'll have to pick up the passenger from pad one, take him through the top and that completes the first level. Uh, That basically shows you all the basics of how to uh, move around in the game. Uh, So uh, once you do that, then the game starts getting a little bit more difficult across the bottom of the screen. You have a lot of information that will show how many taxis you have, left. It'll show how much money you have earned so far. It'll show you the fare for the current passenger that you have picked up. It'll also show your fuel level, which is always going down when you're flying. And it will show uh, the amount of time that you have spent or how much time you have left. Um, The other important thing is that it shows, and I think this is really important in in games like this, it shows what the last command was uh, of what the passenger has said to you. So if they said, take me to pad three, pad three, please, uh, then That will be printed on the bottom, so in case you forget what you were doing or where you were supposed to go, you can always look on the screen, and it will show you what uh, you're supposed to be doing, what the current task is. The controls are pretty simple. You press up, down, left, and right, and that fires jets that move your taxi around. Uh, Those jets are cumulative, I guess I would say. So if you hold down one direction, you will accelerate versus you could just tap the controls and barely nudge your taxi. But you have to remember that gravity is always in play. So your taxi is always being pulled down a little bit as well. Uh, When it's time to land, you arrive to one of the pads. You don't want to do this when you're too high up because you'll crash. Uh, But when you get low, you press the fire button and your landing gears will extract. And then you touchdown on the pad. Uh, Once your landing gears have extracted, you can still use your jets up and down, but you can't do left and right. So you have to make sure you're where you want to be on the pad to land, Uh, which, uh, spoiler, not on your passenger. (laughs) Uh, And then you bring the taxi down, uh, gently land on the pad, pick up your passenger and deliver him where he wants to go. If you have a rough landing, they will definitely not tip you as much uh, on their fare that they're paying you. Um, there are other commands uh, in the manual it mentions that run stop will abort the game and take you right back to the menu and shift lock will pause the game Uh, it was so important in these games to include a pause button because inherently the Commodore 64 does not have a way to pause games. And so if you're playing on an emulator like, uh, WinVice, you know, you can always hit alt and pause on a PC keyboard or whatever the equivalent is on a Mac. I'm not sure, but uh, you can pause the emulator itself and the game pauses. But if you're playing on real hardware, there's no way to do that. So it was always nice when a developer included a pause function in the game. So again, shift lock will pause the game while you're playing. Now, for being a taxi that is designed to fly around and pick up passengers, it is very fragile. If you touch any of the walls, you explode and die. If you touch any of the obstacles, you explode and die. If you go land too hard you explode and die if you're trying to fly through the gap in the ceiling to go to the next level and you one pixel touches the edge of the pixel you explode and die basically anything that you touch you will explode and die <laughs> except for when you land with your landing gears down and if you are too close to the pad and don't aren't able to uh, extract your landing gears at time you'll also die <laughs> there's a lot of death in this game uh, sound in space taxi. So here we are. Let's talk about this. Number one, there are little musical ditties that play. Uh, when you beat a level, when you arrive at a level, it plays these little musical things. They're cute. They sound nice. Uh, they are better than just little one note. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're perfectly acceptable. There's also sound effects when you fire your thrusters and move your taxi around. Again, uh, not, You know, earth shattering, but you know, they do the job. But the real draw on this game are the digitized voices. So the passengers will hail you, they will say, Hey, taxi. And then they will tell you where they want to go, pad one, please, or pad two, please. Uh, And then they will say, Thanks, you know, after you drop them off. And The great thing about this is that the game will alter the pitch or the speed in which they talk. So each passenger, even though there's only a set number of things that they say, but they will say it uh, in a different tone. So... A guy might say, hey, taxi, and then he will speak in that voice until you're done with him. And the next one might say, hey, taxi. (laughs) And so it's really fun that each person has their own little voice. And again, everything that they say appears printed at the bottom of the screen. So you can always, in case you didn't hear it or you forgot what they said, you can glance down and see where that passenger wants to be uh, taken. So the digitized voices in this game are a lot of fun. One of the things I learned by playing this game is that uh, you would think that your fuel level is based on how much you're using your thrusters, but it's not. The fuel, Your fuel level goes down at a constant rate any time you're flying. So let's say you're trying to go from the left-hand side of the screen to the right, and you are up in the air, and you just tap your thruster a couple times, and you coast very slowly from the left to the right you're going to use a lot of fuel because you're in the air a long time. Whereas if you just held down and zoomed all the way over there and then stopped at the very end and came down, you would actually use less fuel. So, I mean, in real life that would use more fuel, but in the game it uses less because your fuel again, always drops at a constant rate. Now, Uh, as you get into the intermediate and expert levels, you will find out that you will not start each level with enough fuel to make it all the way through. And so there are platforms, uh, where you can refuel fuel is not free. And so you will be spending the money that you have (laughs) earned from taking your passengers to buy fuel. Also. Whenever a passenger hails your taxi, uh, the timer starts. And so, or I mean, once you pick them up, you know, this timer's always running and they don't pause that timer for you to get fuel. So you really have to work in when a good time, maybe between passengers, uh, to be able to get fuel. Uh, but it's, it's always a, a balance. It's always difficult to do. Uh, if you're trying, you know, to get a high score. Uh, speaking of high scores, uh, the highest score I was able to find online was, uh, and this is a dollars. That is how the game, uh, does your score was $1,297.94. That was a high score posted online by Colt Sievers. Uh, I played the game multiple times this week and my highest was like 200 bucks. <laughs> It was a little higher than that, but not a lot. <clears throat> so uh, a score of uh, uh, almost uh, $1,300 is a pretty dang good sto- uh, score. Um, so let's talk about this uh, trivia fact, this little secret 25th level. It's mentioned on the back of the box that there is a secret level hidden in the game. Uh And to find this secret level, all you have to do is beat the first 24 levels. So if you can beat all 24 levels of this game, a 25th level will appear. Uh, when you go to the 25th level, at the top, it says, Welcome to Muse World. There are three pads, and each of the pads contains a character from another Muse program. Uh so on the first pad there is an ambulance from Rescue Squad. Uh, on the second pad there is a soldier from Castle Wolfenstein. And on the third one there is a robot that shoots uh, from Robot War. But what's more important is that you get access to a riddle. And the riddle has certain words that are um they're not bold. Actually, they're they're spaced apart. They have spaces in between each letter. One references a star, one references a direction. And uh, so this riddle has to be deciphered. And if you can figure out what each of the keys – I'm not going to tell you what the keys are. (laughs) You have to get to this level yourself. But if you can figure out what each of the keys are – and I don't know why it would be a secret because you can Google it and, <laughs> and find it. Um, but if you were to figure out all those keys, you go back to the main menu and I believe you go to the instruction page and you press these keys in the right order. And essentially it unlocks a cheat menu. Uh, that that shows up and so the cheat menu or secret menu allows you to do things like um, turn off collision with the background turn off collision with the other sprites so you can't run into your passengers anymore Uh, you can record a demo and that will become the demo that the game shows you can also manually select Every level and you can get information about the author. So, uh, lots of cool stuff in there. It's, it's a built in cheats slash trainer system that can only be accessed by beating the entire game. I think that's really cool. Um, you know, this is something we talked about on the last episode of the pawn, uh, where when you get to the end of the game, it just kind of dumps you in a debug mode and says, you could go back and you won't die. And the way that it's done feels very cheap in that game. And in this game, it felt really good. Like something you have earned. You beat the game and now you're given God mode, basically, uh, to be able to go back and play every level and, and turn off or turn on any of these features. So, um, this is the way to do it. Uh, Space Taxi did it much better. Uh, I didn't find a lot of magazine reviews, which is crazy because I'm sure every magazine at the time reviewed this game. Uh, Lemon64 for their aggregate, uh, aggregate review, which is everyone's numbers combined together, has Space Taxi at 8.5. Their review on the site is 9 out of 10. And Computer Games Magazine at the time in 1984 gave this game 100. Uh, they ranked it a perfect game. Uh, I don't know that I'd give it a 100, but gosh, it's a fun game. Uh, so let's talk about some ports of this game. Uh, Space Taxi, this version of Space Taxi only appears on the Commodore 64. It was not ported to any other system, but a lot of unofficial versions have appeared on other systems. Uh, many of the uh, unofficial Versions uh, are their shareware and public domain, and those have appeared on the Amiga. There is a game called Space Taxi on the Amiga, which is not quite the same. Uh, there's another one called Air Taxi, and probably the most popular one on the Amiga is Space Taxi 3. So if you're wanting to play uh, a similar game on the Amiga, I would check out Space Taxi 3. Uh, there is a game called Ugg. Which is on the? I know it's on the PC. It may only be on the PC, but it is a caveman where he has a flying device and he has to move around and people. So it's very, very similar to Space Taxi, uh, except for instead of being in the future, for some reason you're a caveman in the past. Uh, on the Windows Phone, there was a game release called Sketch Taxi, which included the first eight levels of Space Taxi that was released back in 2012. Uh, There was a official Windows game called Space Taxi 2 released in 2004. And there's another game called Space Cab uh, for the Artie Boy, which is uh, very similar to Space Taxi. Probably the closest thing, the spiritual successor at this point is a game called, and I don't know how to pronounce this. It's S-P-A, and then it's a German, looks like a German or maybe a a Latin character that looks like a, a B, like a beta uh, and then says taxi and it says on, this is on steam. It says that the S P a. And then that little character is the German word for fun. Uh, but if you search space taxi on steam, this game will come up and it is an updated version of space taxi that you can uh, get on steam for about $5 a place. So, uh, if you're wanting a modern version of space taxi, that's probably the one I would go for what I can't recommend is picking up a copy of Space Taxi on eBay. Now, I smell shenanigans (laughs) on this auction. There are no current auctions for Space Taxi on eBay. However, if you search for completed auctions, and I believe, I might be wrong, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I believe completed auctions are ones that mean they were listed and then there was a purchase Uh, there is a completed auction for space taxi for $749 plus $10 shipping. Now, first of all, if I pay $750 for an old game, you're throwing in shipping. I'm not paying $10 shipping on a $750 game. Uh, in the description of this one, it says there's water damage to the box, (laughs) So I also would like it in better condition if I'm paying $749 uh, for a copy of Space Taxi. But that is the only copy I could find that sold on eBay. So I know it's a classic. I know that it's relatively rare. I'm not paying three-fourths of a $1,000 for it. So um, if you do, that <laughs> that's good on you. Uh, so let's get to my personal memories of the game Space Taxi. So this is becoming a common theme on Sprite Castle. I got my Commodore 64 in 1985. This came out in 1984. So when I got my Commodore 64 and started getting new games almost immediately, uh, games that were a year old felt old. And so I know that I did play Space Taxi. And back... In the 1980s, there were lots of computer clubs and computer groups, and I've talked about some of the ones, but there was one that I went to that I think I only went one time, and some of these quote-unquote computer clubs were little more than people trading software and copying software, which, by the way, those were my favorites. (laughs) But uh, there was one I went to, and I feel like it was – At a library, possibly. that. I mean, I only went to this one time. It was in my my town, and so I don't remember exactly where it was, but I feel like it was in uh, maybe the public library. And there was a kid that I went to school with who um, his older brother was there. And so I didn't really know his older brother, but I knew his brother that was in my grade, and so I, I talked to him. And he had some games. But I remember there were some adults there that were um, frowned upon copying software. And so they were making sure that we weren't just sitting around pirating software. But uh, that kid had a few different games that we played. One was Transformers. I definitely remember that. And I remember he had Space Taxi. And so we had played Space Taxi. And so I must have played it. Uh, you know, at some point in time as a kid, uh, at my house, not just at this computer club, but the computer club is really what I associate space taxi with just that memory of, uh, playing it, you know, with a stranger alternating, taking turns, uh, of driving the taxi around. So that was kind of a, a fun memory. Um, but, uh, um, I don't think I got a copy of it from him. I think I must've got it from somebody else or downloaded it, uh, at a later point. For graphics, I give Space Taxi 3 out of 5 New York hot dogs. It's good, it's not great. Uh, Again, for music, I also give it 3 out of 5 New York hot dogs. It does its purpose, it's adequate, uh, but it's not outstanding. For sound effects, I'm going to give it 5 out of 5 New York hot dogs. Uh, I think the voice commands of the passengers are really fun and really make this uh, an adorable game. Uh, Overall gameplay, I'm going to give Space Taxi four out of five New York style hot dogs. Uh, Space Taxi is uh, super simple and super fun, but it's not necessarily super easy. Uh, While 24 levels doesn't sound like very many, the game ramps up quickly and it offers as much challenge as it does fun. Highly recommend it. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at Robo'Hare.com Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All patrons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. is available from iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com, and through the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, like You Don't Know Flack, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, Multiple Sadness, and Like a DOS, please visit podcast.robbohara.com for links and information about these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to hustling for fares, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. Last but not least, here's a very special shout out to all my Patreon supporters. For March 2022, this includes Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, C Doves, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavy, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modalat, Eric Strianese, Extent of the Jam, Gabe DeGenero, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Hacker Radio. Jake Nanamaker, Jason Warren's, John Bodekar Schaller, John Treyhold, Jose Cazada, Joshua Ekroff, Mark Alley, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Nathan Dagenhardt, Olav Hope, Patrick Markey, Rad Max, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, Robot Doctor82, Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Steven Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossi, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boar's Head Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, Graham W. Vebke, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Von Steve Sharippa, and Vintage Volts.